in Imre Yosef, brings a word on the point, he, he touches the Pusik, So Rashi says, means You don't take Levim with your hands, you take them Bedvurim. Right? Lucky people, right? That you're able to, to, to serve Hashem. So he explains that this Pusik obviously has a lesson for everyone, every generation, not only them. He says that. You know, the way that um, you motivate people to do chiva, the way you motivate people to do the right thing, has to be this way that Moshe Rabbani was taught to talk to the Levian. It says that Hashem is telling every Moshe, every Tzaddik, every Manag Yisrael, Kachas Levian. You want to take the Levian, those, those that are a duvet to you, those that are Malushna, Apam Yiluva, Laishi, those that are close to you. You want to take them. Um, you want to you help them do the right thing and be close to Hashem how do you do that? Rashi explains talk to them in a way that makes it that makes it compelling talk, talk to them in a way that makes it easy for them you want to tell people you want to tell people how lucky they are to serve Hashem you want to help them do the right thing and be with the heart and be close to Hashem by telling them you know, that, that, that it's all good for them and they're so lucky, lucky to do it there's another way to talk to people you could tell someone you have to do it. You could tell someone what happens if he doesn't do it. And then you could tell him how lucky he is to do it. And all of a sudden it becomes so much easier, so much simpler. And this is something he says that's This is always uh, something relevant. And I think that when it comes to Shulam Ba'is and Chabunim for that matter, it's, it's, such a, it's such an important lesson. Kuchan, you want to take people. You want to take your spouse. You want to take your children. And it's not only in Yiddishkeit. It's not only in, in, in Ruchni. It's not only in Avot Hashem. It's in anything. Anything you want someone to do. You could either tell them they have to do it. You could threaten and tell them what the consequences will be if they don't do it. And then you could do kuchan bedvurim. Talk to them nicely. Tell them how lucky they are to do the right thing. Tell them how much it would mean to you if they do the right thing. Uh, just make it easier for someone. And you'll be able to accomplish that which uh, Moshe Rabbani was taught to accomplish. So let's discuss something over here which, you know, technically it's not a, you know, it's not just a scary topic, I would say. In other words, it's not, some, it's not you know, sometimes somebody's uh, hurting you or abusing you, and then you have to come up with creative ways to be kuchan bedvurim. Like, what do I say now? How do I say this in a nice way when somebody's really doing something wrong? You know, let's talk about it in, in, in a different context, about a question somebody sent me over here. Okay, hello. First, I would like to thank you for all your sure for putting everything in the right perspective. Okay, you're very welcome, and thank you for that. Before I ask, I would like to clarify that I know this is a small problem compared to what people go through, and I'm grateful for what I have, and do not want to complain. I just want to know what the right way to go about this is. Okay, very good. My husband is very, is very generous by nature, and one of the ways it comes out is that he buys me presents at every occasion. He will do it all the way and buy the most expensive and best of whatever he's buying. He, will, he also will buy little things like a cake for Shabbos or a big flower arrangement for Yom Tov, Again, I'm not trying to complain. I know it's coming from a very good place. However, my husband is in Koil, and I work very hard for Panusa. Because of that, and because by nature I'm more karg, right, stingy for those who don't know Yiddish, I don't usually forgive myself these things. Therefore, it's very hard for me when he takes all the hard-earned money to buy lavish and expensive presents. For example, I once complained about About something, okay. I'm, I'm, I, I always try to just leave out certain identifying details, just in case you know somebody will hear this one day and realize what I'm talking about. He complained about something not being so easy, and all of a sudden he bought, you know, something that's going to make it a lot easier, something very expensive. Um, I didn't mean it seriously. We're living on a coil budget, and I, I considered what he bought to be an absolute luxury, and you know it wasn't even so practical, you know. But he went to buy the best and the most expensive, and then one day it arrived at my house. 
while I greatly appreciate that, it, it is an utter luxury for somebody living on our budget, and if I would have bought it, I would have researched for the cheapest and the simplest one. He also sometimes buys fancy food when I'm on a diet. I do not want to crush my husband. I do not want to tell him to stop buying presents. I also, And I also buy him presents. It could be that since he is not the one working for the money, he deals with it more liberally. Is there any way that I could tell my husband without hurting him a bit that I greatly appreciate it all, but perhaps he shouldn't spend so much money since we really can't afford it? Is it okay to ask him not to buy food when I make when I, when I make so much chashboyness to buy healthy and on sale. While I always appreciate it and it does help for Shalom Bay, sometimes I do feel resentful that I'm working so hard for the money and now I must spend it since I don't want to insult my husband. Is there any way to go about this without crushing him? I know that a husband needs to be a mashpia and I don't want to take that away. Thank you very much. Okay. So first thing I want to address is just the, the introduction to the letter, which is that... Um, I know this is a small problem compared to what people go through, and I'm grateful for what I have. Okay, so Baruch Hashem, first of all, it's good when somebody sees a problem as being small. First of all, that, that's, that's a very good thing. Um, somebody recently came to me, and he told me that the way he found me was like many people, until any time, listen to my shir. And you see, you know, I, I, so I asked him, you know, if you have any comments, any feedback, you know, if you have anything to say about, about uh, my classes, you know, I meant any critique or any, uh, anything I could do better. And he tells me, you know, I'll tell you the truth, Yashir and Magabaldi, and the answers you give are, are, are amazing, but the questions are, like, sometimes so petty. You know, people are dealing with such petty issues, like, you know, I, my husband didn't compliment me, or my wife uh, is upset at me, or, you know, things that are relatively petty. And, like, he, he tells me, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is what people are going through? I mean, this, this is the problem? I, come on. We're, we're grown-ups. We're mature. And, you know, the answer to that really is not, like, okay, you're right, some people are petty. That's not what it is. When somebody's dealing with something, and it's emotionally challenging, and it's real life, and it's your relationship. It's not petty. Now, I'm not saying that you should make a big deal out of it, or that you should uh, turn the tissue into an issue. I mean, on the contrary, if you see your challenge as petty, that's wonderful, and that's how it should be. And you should always remember that it's not so terrible, and there are bigger challenges, and you have to thank Hashem for what you have. But when you're looking at someone else's challenge, you should never think that way, because when somebody's dealing with something, you know, to them it feels very real. You know the joke about the guy who, who uh, complained about a situation that he had, he lost all his money and he had a hard day and this is a problem, that's a problem, and he fell on his face and he got all wet. Nah. He was going on and on and, and this guy listening tells him, nah, it could have been worse. Really? What could be worse than that? If it would have happened to me. That's sometimes how we, 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 you know, we don't realize that when it's happening to someone else, it seems more petty than, than it is. And, and then, yeah, sometimes when somebody's dealing with something, they're, uh, they're um, ashamed to even, like, hey, what am, I, what am I doing here? I'm so ashamed. I mean, I, I am taking this seriously, and it is taking me over, but I can't talk to anyone about it because I'm ashamed. Don't be ashamed. It's okay when something to you feels very real and something is very disturbing. So even though you know, you're smart enough to say, I know it's a small problem, I know people are biggers, but if it's bothering you, then, then it's okay. And sometimes, you know, part of what we discuss over here is helpful to many people out there, so... If anything's bothering you, don't be ashamed to bring it up, and, 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 and everything you know, could be taken care of and should be taken care of with Hashem's help. Um, and so, and let, that's first of all. Now, now let, let me say another point. Many people listening to this uh, might be drooling or crying or thinking to themselves, oh, if only I had that husband. If only I had the husband who was buying me and, and splurging and, and making me feel good and having in mind the flowers and the cakes and the, and the jewelry and, the, and, the, and the, you know, whatever else I need. And and unfortunately, I'll say unfortunately, because I think more people are struggling with that than with this. Um, very often, it's, it's, it's a big challenge. Why isn't my husband buying me enough? Why isn't my husband treating me enough? And it happens to be that it's most often the wife uh, you know, having such a complaint about her husband, but it could be the other way around as well. I've heard this from husbands complaining, why doesn't my wife have in mind uh, buy me something I like? She knows I like this. I already said I like it. Why'd she miss my birthday, my anniversary, or whatever it is? And this is many times how people you know, see situations. Uh, how come I'm not getting more? And, and, you know, sometimes when you, when you discuss it, you realize what's really going on. I mean, 
people living on a, on a small budget and they're expecting more. Sometimes a husband, I, I, I talk to people all the time about this, and the husband will tell me, listen, this is my paycheck, this is my income, this is what I'm, what I'm spending on, this is my rent, this is my mortgage, this is my, these are my bills, this is my limit. I mean, by the, by the time I finish the month, I, I'm barely covering, and, and my wife is, is upset that I didn't give enough money for something. It's normal, everyone has it, everyone this. And when I say I don't have, I say, well then go make more money. This is, this is ridiculous. A husband's job is not to provide his wife with whatever she wants. It's to provide with, with what he has to. And of course, we're talking about people that are responsible and trying their best. And I know that and this, is not the, this is not the topic we're discussing now. All I mean to say is that unfortunately, so many people have the other complaint about he's not buying me enough when they can't afford it. In this case, a wife is you know, feeling like you know, he's buying too much and we can't afford it. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that she's the one making the money. And you know, automatically, she's feeling it more than other people would. Um, it's not, you know, but just recently, I just want to mention one more situation where somebody wrote me a long letter about how um, in, I don't get flowers for Shabbos and, and I don't get flowers for this, I don't get flowers for that. A few things. First of all, if you want flowers, uh, please ask for them. What do you mean? Doesn't the husband have to buy flowers? The answer is no. Okay? He doesn't have to, remember, he doesn't have to take out the garbage. We discussed that. I got a lot of feedback about that one, uh, mainly from men that uh, appreciated it, but, you know, some women as well. Uh, the um, uh, husband doesn't have to take out the garbage if it's very heavy okay, and the wife can't take it out then she could politely ask her husband to please help her and I'm sure he'll do it gladly there's no reason not to or do I have to ask him? no you don't have to uh, Okay, but, but the, thing with, the thing with the flowers does a, does a husband have to buy his wife flowers? I, I hate sounding you know, very uh, I don't know what the word is but no, it's, not a, it's not a Yiddish thing to buy a wife flowers now you could and I buy flowers sometimes. I'm not saying it's goyish and should be avoided. It's not the chikasam the But to expect it and to say this is how it has to be, it's not a Yiddish concept. Buying flowers for a wife. Okay? But if you want it, you can ask for it. But to expect it and be resentful and you're not getting something, it, it's, it doesn't do anything good for your relationship. So even if you want something and you think you should be getting it, instead of complaining about it, either ask for it nicely or start realizing if it's really possible or not. Or buy yourself flowers. When Yigaman tells me, wife wants me to buy flowers, whenever I buy them, she tells me it's not the right ones. <laughs> Why am I buying flowers? Anyway, I didn't want to get carried away on that. Now, so back to this, um, this question. She writes that she doesn't want to crush her husband um, because, you know, he should be the mashpia and, and it means so much to him and all that. Now, I, I, it's, it's very noble, very noble not to want to crush your husband. My husband's buying me things and he likes them, he feels good about them. I don't want to crush him. He's the mashpia, he's the one that should be giving, and I don't want to take that away from him. First of all, that's a very good point. I'm not saying that you should uh, deplete your, your, your bank account and not, not be able to pay the rent because of it. But it's a good point. It's a good point that when somebody's feeling good buying you something, it's worth money. And the reason why I want to make this point is because sometimes it might not be worth what he's paying for it. Sometimes it's not what you appreciate it, but it's worth having him feel good. I have this line that I tell people often when it comes to kids, spending on kids, and I'm not talking about spoiling kids, I'm not talking about giving it to their demands. I'm talking about spending money on a child when you'd rather not. And I tell people often, you know, you, you, sometimes you have to think about the equation, it's, it's, it's cheaper than therapy. You know, if you deprive a child and he doesn't feel good and he feels neglected and, he, and he's resentful or whatever else, and you're going to want to send him for therapy for $200 an hour, you just think about it, you know, for 50 bucks you might avoid another session of therapy. Now, it's only a joke. I don't mean that you should start spending everything that's cheaper than therapy, because eventually it could become more expensive than therapy, and you might need therapy yourself. But some things are cheaper than therapy. So if you have a marriage that's some of it is being enhanced and, and built by the fact that somebody's spending money, and it's not outrageous, and, you know, think about it, it's cheaper than therapy, and it's causing my husband to feel good, and it's causing me to, to be appreciative if, if we could get that feeling coming, and, you know, it's a good and healthy thing, sometimes it's worth it. 
So it's not only about, I don't want to crush my husband, he should be, there's something about that that is worth money. Okay, of course it has to be within bounds, of course you don't want to overdo it, of course you don't want to go into debt because of it, you don't want to become resentful because of it. But there's something about understanding that, that it's important. I want to add another point, and that is again, I always try to bring in the Torah perspective, because that, that's what we live by, and as much as uh, other people may, may look at things differently, we always have to remember what the Torah says. When a wife brings money into the home, it's the husband's. Okay, that wasn't mentioned in the letter. So when your husband's spending your hard-earned money, it's his. Now let's not forget, a wife doesn't have to bring him money. The husband has to provide. I don't mean to say that a wife is a slave, and she's working for him, and now he can do whatever he wants with the money. At the end of the day, he has to pay the bills. At the end of the day, he has to provide, and it's his obligation. But you do have to remember that a wife who has what she calls her money is, is, is not toyotic. Okay, so if you feel that there's a reason you can't work anymore, you don't want to work, whatever it is, that's something that could be discussed, and we spoke about this in the past. But recently somebody tells me, one of his children mentioned something to him about, you know, Tati, is that always how it is after the chasna, that there's my money and your money? Because I hear mommy talking about her money and my money, I think I mentioned this recently, and there's something wrong with that. Okay, I'll be toyota. Your husband, a wife brings the money is the husband's now you might still you still want to be able to deal with things and make sure they don't go out of hand and, and are, are done irresponsibly and, and, and are not a cause for resentment but just remember it remember it don't, don't start grabbing things and locking things and doing things that are not that are not toiletic now okay let's, let's talk about another line in this letter that I want to that I want to address before we get into the bigger solution over here and that is that you combine the idea of I'm working very hard and the, the word very was actually in cap letters, so if I ever write this in an essay one day, you'll be able to see it clearer. I'm working very hard, and by nature, I'm more karg. There's nothing wrong with being by nature more karg. There's nothing wrong with somebody being less of a spender and less of a splurger and, and, and being, you know, more money-oriented and more into saving and more... Long. Yeah, it's fine. Sometimes people make the mistake of trying to justify a nature or justify uh, an opinion or, 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 or you know, a, a matter of taste. If you, if you, if you feel better saving some money than spending it or if you're more um, um, budget oriented and you, and you appreciate that you don't have to you don't have to answer up in other words it, if you have a feeling for something or, or it just makes you feel better as the way you are it's, it's a natural um, you know way of looking at something it's fine you're allowed to have that you don't have to you don't have to answer it sometimes people get into this thing about you know, I come from a home where we didn't have and that's why I want to if you want to save something you could say it you don't have to start backing about anything not that it helps, it doesn't help. I mean to say sometimes people don't realize that it's okay to see things differently. It's okay to express how you feel about something. You don't have to, you don't have to justify it or rationalize or start explaining and debating what the right way and the wrong way. And, and, and I see this very often. People start talking about backgrounds and, and my parents and the way it was and the way it is. And, and I saw a neighbor and I can't handle it because you, there's no point in all that. And it doesn't convince anyone. It's fine to say this is how I feel and it makes me feel better. It's okay. You're allowed, you're allowed to have feelings. You don't have to back them anything. So that's... Um, you know, and, and, the, and the other thing and, and the opposite as well you know you're allowed to be more flexible to understand someone else's tendencies right I like I like um, saving he likes splurging uh, I want him to understand you know what I feel I want to understand what he feels it's okay people are, are different one from another and it's, it's very important to be able to understand each other now there might be and I'm just mentioning it not that I think this is the issue but I, I want to mention it because it could be sometimes an issue there could be a spending problem there are people who have this unhealthy relationship with money, and there's you know one of the twelve-step groups. There's a spenders anonymous. There are people that that don't know how to keep money in their pocket, and when they see something, they buy it, and, and it's unhealthy. What I mean to say is that sometimes this is this is part of a bigger problem where somebody might you might even need help. Now I'm talking about big help, and I'm talking about major addiction. I mean to say that there is an issue sometimes about people spending money too much. There's such a thing. 
However, often when a husband's spending something on his wife, it could be the fact that he's not into saving much, and it could be he makes him feel good that he's spending on his wife, he's making her feel good. It could be he feels good that he's buying, it could be he feels good he's providing, it could be he feels good you know, that, that he's doing something. There's a lot of, good, there's a lot of things that he could be um, um, getting by, by spending. And it could be what they call his love language. Now, interestingly, I spoke about this many times in the past. The whole idea of love languages, five love languages, everyone's very into it. Okay, what's my love language? I want this. People who refer to the idea of love languages, which I'm not a big believer in, but I know there's such a thing. Most people who are here quoting it and talking about it and, and, and you know, getting passionate about love languages are most often trying to get their love language. Okay? My love language is quality time. My husband doesn't give me time. My love language is gifts. My husband doesn't give me gifts. Well, my, my love language acts of service. My wife doesn't do anything to me. If it's all about you and you use the book of love languages to figure out what you need and, and how to express your resentment and complaints more, then you're not helping your marriage. Okay? If love languages are about trying to figure out what someone else is so you could help them, that's wonderful. Okay. Or if love languages are about you finding out what yours is so you can express it in a nice way and make sure you're getting it and feel good, that, that's also pretty good. And if a love language is trying to figure out what someone else's is, and then appreciating when that person is expressing it to you, even if it's not yours, that's very good. I spoke about this often. If your goita is talking to you in Spanish and saying good morning and you figure out what she means, don't say, no, no, English, okay, good morning. You say it again? No, if someone's saying something to you in their language... And to them, it's, a, it's an expression of affection or, or, or you know, whatever, maybe accept it. So if your husband's trying to feel good by giving you, then even if you're not appreciating it so much, there's something about knowing that this is his way of connecting to you, this is his way of expressing something to you. And that alone is something. And if that is what he's trying to express over here, then very often you could be, you could be accomplishing that way before he maxes out your credit card. So let me explain this. The first thing you want to do is show a lot of appreciation, because that's really what he needs. He might need someone to express how, much, how thankful she is. Now, it could be you're doing that. I'm just mentioning this. If somebody's buying you something and they're buying it again, right? Chances are they're feeling good, but they want something for it. And, they're not, and I'm not saying they're resentful and they're not getting it, but they want something for it. They want someone to say, wow, it meant so much to me. Thank you for having me in mind. It's so special of you. Uh, I see you got it you know, all the way, the most expensive one. I, it means so much to me. So that's the first thing. You're already accomplishing. You're letting someone accomplish what they want to do, and you're accomplishing what you want to do. Now, if you want to avoid having this go over, over the limits, then sometimes what you might do is ask for something. Okay? I, very often with children and with adults, one-on-one, I give people this idea all the time. You know, you, you, if someone's in a, in, a, in, a, in a stressful relationship, right, when things are challenging, and it's so hard, I know, I, I'm, this is not happening, that's not happening, nothing I want is happening, nothing I, ha- I want is being done. And often I say, you know, so would you ask your child to do you a favor or your spouse? No, favors. He even, he's not doing anything for me. I'm going to start asking for favors. So people want to feel needed. People want to feel appreciated. When you ask someone, could you please do this? You don't have to. But it would mean a lot to me if you do. They'll do it for you. And they'll feel good. And you're the one that's making them feel good. And they want to do more for you. As opposed to, oh, this has to be done, that has to be done. Why is nothing being done? I'm not, I'm not going to ask for any more favors. And then people just get more resentful. So if you could ask your husband, say, you know, you like buying me things so often, it means so much to me when you do. If you go buy a store and you see an ice cream, you could buy it for me, please. It means so much. You come home, you bring it to me, I'll be so appreciative. Now, the most expensive ice cream out there is only a few dollars. And if he buys it for you, he tells, wow, thank you so much for buying for me. You, you gave him what he needed. And you may be also getting what you needed, and it's not costing so much. So the first thing you want to do about addressing what someone's overspending on you is make sure they're getting the good feeling that they're looking for, maybe, by thanking them for spending, showing appreciation and, and showing that you accept what they're trying to express to you and at the same time, ask for more but ask for things that are small and expensive and, and the same good feeling could be going back and forth without putting a stop to it and, and depriving people of the good feeling they need 
Now, going forward, right, the, you, you could definitely have a discussion about this. And it's not when somebody buys you something and say, oh, how much does that cost? You know, don't, can't we talk about budgeting? Not then, no, not then. But you could definitely tell your, your husband that you want to sit down and discuss something in a, in a calm moment when it's not relevant, it's not within a few days of the last uh, expensive purchase, and you want to I, discuss the idea of, of budgeting. The idea of budgeting is not, is not a personal idea. It's not about his irresponsibility. The idea of budgeting is not about his tendencies or about, what, about you making money. It's about budgeting. We're a couple, we have an income, we have a future. It's not even about the idea that we have to agree on the importance of budgeting. It's about how I feel about it. Remember this. When you start debating ideas, that's where some, some people, even though it doesn't sound like a husband's a difficult person at all, for that matter, but some people get passionate about it because it's the right thing to do, it's the wrong thing to do. Everyone does, nobody does. My parents did, your parents did. Don't discuss the idea as an idea of, of, of you know, if it's right or wrong. Discuss it about how you feel. There's an idea of budgeting. There's an idea of saving. To me, it would mean very much. It would make me feel so comfortable. It would make me uh, feel good knowing that, you know, we have a future where we're, where we're saving up to buy something. Or I'm going to marry off children. We're gonna, you know, there's, there's ways to, to budget and, and, and feel good about it. There's ways to put away money and feel good about it. There's ways to work on a, on, on a paper. Okay? And, and you could even mention that, you know, you've been spending money on different gifts and it means a lot to me and I wish we could always do it. I appreciate every time you do it for me. It's not a contradiction. But I, I, I would feel so much better if we could budget and, and know how much is being spent when, how much is being put away. Now, by the way, you know, when somebody is a spender, when he has money in his pocket, it's a problem. So that's also part of the budget, how much you have in your pocket, without getting condescending or critical or, or making someone feel you know, bad about, about not being able to hold on to money. You could hint to the fact that you're working hard for the money, again, without being resentful, without making anyone feel stupid about, you know, I'm making the money, you're not making the money, I'm bringing anything in here. No, but you could, you could mention, no. I work hard for the money and that's why it would make me feel so much better if I knew that some of it is, is being put away and we're working with a budget and we know how much we're spending and we can look it over after a month. This doesn't have to become a controlling conversation. This doesn't have to be anything condescending or critical or even directly related to the spending on gifts. It's just a conversation that you want to have and I think you're entitled to have. It shouldn't be something that you're calling the shots because it's your money and you're making someone feel um, stuck about that. that that's, not a, that's not a way to go. You might want to make your husband feel good and involved, not by imposing on him your budgeting ideas, but asking him how he would want to budget. And sometimes, like I said before, if it's cheaper than therapy, maybe work along with his ideas. Even though in your ideas you could put away um, 40% of the money, and his ideas would rather put away 25%, it might be worth that 15% of the money because it's cheaper than therapy, and your marriage is better, and your husband feels good, and he's a mashpia, and you're not choking him or depriving him of that which he needs. So that's, that's definitely very important. So I'll, I'll end off again by saying that it could be important for your husband to spend money on gifts. It should be appreciated because he's trying to do something healthy and he cares for you and he, and he means it. And you, you're definitely having a lot of opportunity to show him appreciation and to feel good about it. Um, you could probably still accomplish all that by having cheaper gifts. And there's nothing wrong with separately discussing the budget in very responsible terms while talking about yourself. And that terms help. You could, you could then go on and actually save your money, give him appreciation for saving money, Tell him how much it means to you that he's the one saving the money, you know, and then and become closer with the little things that you're going to keep on asking for and getting. And with Hashem's help, live together.